Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Take a break from the calls, get back to them in a little bit, but we welcome in Adam Burke, who is an MLB analyst for VSIN. And Adam, I appreciate taking the time on this Friday morning where we are here on the East Coast. Opening day has concluded, and it was a fun day around Major League Baseball. Before we get into specific teams, just to get a different perspective, Adam, what are your thoughts so far on the rule changes uh, in Major League Baseball after watching opening day? Yeah, I think one that's pretty interesting is obviously the pitch clock, and there were some violations. And, you know, James Karinchak, I'm born and raised in Cleveland. I live out in Vegas now, but James Karinchak had a really hard time in the eighth inning in that game against Seattle with the pitch clock. He was very clearly rattled. There was a bad call, too. And you don't really get a whole lot of time to kind of, you know, calm yourself down because you've got to, you know, get the home plate within 15 or 20 seconds. So it rattled him, kind of wound up being not the reason that Cleveland lost because they didn't score any runs, but, you know, he certainly put that game out of reach. But the other thing about the pitch clock is teams were 21 of 23 stealing bases on opening day, 91%. Hmm. Uh, that's remarkable. I mean, it's not going to continue that high, but obviously teams are taking advantage of the pitch clock in terms of being aggressive on the bases. Now, why would you say that the the pitch clock has an impact on that, maybe more so than even the bigger bases? Well, I mean, you know, you get the two disengagements where you're able to throw over, and, and we saw, I mean, the first batter of the season, Ronald Acuna Jr. gets on base, Patrick Corbin throws over twice, and Acuna knows that he can just go, and that's what he wound up doing. He actually slipped and fell on the first one. It was fouled off, but then the second one, he just took off and stole the bag. So, you know, you can kind of time pitchers up much, much easier because you know they have to go to home plate, and if they don't have any opportunities to throw over again, you can just take off and go. And then, you know, getting into scoring position is going to mean a lot more this season with the shift gone because, you know, it's going to be easier than it has been in previous seasons to score from second on a single that's pulled into right field. Right, and you hopefully see more base hits uh, as well. So overall, you think this will be more exciting, better for the game? I think so. I mean, I think there's kind of some give and take, too, where, you know, we've seen over the last few years guys really trying to elevate the baseball, trying to hit home runs, particularly left-handed batters that are trying to hit it over the shift. Now they may just kind of go, you know what, if I pull it through the hole, I get a base hit, I did my job, I'm happy with that. 
I think there's a chance that maybe we see less power around the league this season just hmm. because of that mindset from left-handed batters. But, you know, it's very hard to kind of figure that out in March and April where, as you're well aware, you know, the weather is just not particularly good in the first month of the season and the ball just doesn't carry. So it'll take some time to get some data on that and, and kind of be able to analyze it. One more general question before we get into some specific teams and divisions, Adam. I've had a hard time. Hey, look, I'm 43. I've watched baseball my whole life. It's my favorite sport. I've had a hard time this year envisioning what to expect. And I don't know if it's just because of some of the results we saw last year, maybe with the Mets and Yankees, or maybe more so because of the rule changes and the difference in the game, as opposed to years past where we, okay, well, like, I know what this team's going to be. I know what they were. This is what I think is going to happen. But maybe the new rule changes, have you had an issue trying to either handicap stuff or make bets, future wagers, thinking about how all these new rules are going to affect certain teams, certain players? Oh, 100%. You know, I mean, one of the things I looked at a lot today, especially because we had a lot of aces on the mound, was guys with high ground ball rates. You know, I mean, how are they going to fare? You look at a guy like Sandy Alcantara who pitched for the Marlins today. I was on the Mets because that's a guy who had a 53% ground ball rate last year, wound up having a really, really good season, obviously won the National League Cy Young, He's a guy that doesn't have an elite strikeout rate like a lot of the other frontline ace starting pitchers do. And, you know, I mean, the Mets put a lot of balls in play. So that was a case where it actually worked out for me, where you had a ground ball guy that I went against. But there were others. I mean, I thought about going against Marcus Stroman today. He's a very high ground ball rate guy. You know, winds up pitching shutout baseball, and, and the Cubs win 4 nothing. So I'm kind of spiking myself out a little bit, I think, kind of, looking for reasons to go against the ground ball guys. And the other thing is just in general with baseball this year, you know, you've got obviously the really good teams and the really bad teams, and there's you know a few of each. But the teams in the middle that have been bad for a while, like they have prospects that are on the big league roster now that are going to elevate those teams. So it seems like there could be a lot more parity, mm. at least in that second tier, which definitely makes it harder in terms of betting season win totals, you know, maybe long shots to make the playoffs, long shots to win the World Series, stuff like that. All right, cool. So let's go through the divisions now because I like what you're saying right there. We're talking with Adam Burke, MLB analyst for VEASAN. Let's start in the American League East. I mean, a lot of people have the Yankees. I think they're the odds-on favorite to win. Last year, you remember, Blue Jays were the sexy pick. The Yankees, I don't want to say came out of nowhere, but I don't think that they were even picked to finish like third or fourth. Or maybe it was fourth last year with the Yankees, and they ended up winning it. How do you see the AL East shaking out? And in, in particular, I guess, who would be the biggest threat or threats to your mind, uh, in your mind to the Yankees? I mean, right now the biggest threat to the Yankees is their own health. I mean, that starting rotation, you know, obviously having some issues here with Montas out for the year, Severino hurt yet again, Carlos Rodon, a guy they kind of gambled on from a health standpoint, and he's not able to make it to opening day. Still a really, really deep team. I mean, certainly the you know the biggest threat is the Blue Jays, who have a great lineup. They made some adjustments to Rogers Center that's going to help them because they're going to be the better offensive team in every game they play at home. So moving in the fences in right center field is going to be a big positive for them just by the style of ball that they play. I don't know if the Rays are going to be as good this year. I know they you know, opened the season nicely over the Tigers, but the Tigers are one of those bottom feeders that I kind of alluded to earlier. 
I don't know if the Red Sox will be that good. I don't think so. I think the Orioles are a 500-ish team. Hmm. I really believe this is a two-horse race between the Yankees and the Blue Jays this year with the Rays kind of falling off the pace a little bit. Interesting. See, I like that description. Do you think Baltimore could be better than Tampa Bay? I don't think they can be better. I think Tampa Bay is just way too smart, and their starting rotation is way too good. But I see a scenario in which maybe Tampa Bay wins 84, 85 games. They're, they're possibly in the hunt for you know one of the wild card spots since we've expanded the playoffs, but I don't see the Rays in the hunt for the division crown this season. Okay, I like it. So a two-team race, Yankees and Blue Jays. What do the before we move on to the AL Central? What do you think the Blue Jays need to do to get to the next level? They've been close. They have a bunch of young talent. What do you think is missing from this Toronto team? Well, I think there are a couple of things. I mean, you know, the back end of their rotation is is pretty iffy with guys like Jose Barrios and, and Yusei Kikuchi. Manoa's great, except for today he didn't pitch particularly well. But that's a guy who's really good. Kevin Gaussman's really good too. So is Chris Bassett. The depth of the rotation and, and really the depth of the bullpen are two things that kind of worry me with this Blue Jays team. The lineup is exceptional. They're a very good defensive team as well. I just worry about depth. You know, if they lose one of their top-line starters for a month, six weeks, even if it's just an oblique injury or something like that, that's kind of tough for them to overcome. So I think they have to stay really healthy on the pitching side, whereas a team like the Yankees, who's not healthy on the pitching side right now, they still seem like they're going to be okay with the way that they develop internally and then, you know, pitching coach like Matt Blake, they're just able to elevate a lot of guys, whereas I don't know if Toronto has that same thing in, in their toolkit. All right, Adam, let's move on to the AL Central. Two-team race in the AL East. Is is there a good team in the AL Central? Is this the worst division in baseball in your mind? No, I think the NL Central is the worst division in baseball, mm. but I, I will say, I mean, I am a Guardians fan, so I know this team inside and out, and Look, I mean, they're the youngest team in baseball by over a year in terms of average age. And that was something that kind of benefited them last year because they won a lot of games in the last at-bat. They had, I think, 19 guys make their major league debuts. They've got more help coming from below. Just a really, really strong organization. But there is a path in which some of the young guys for this team struggle. And I do think that the Twins, you know, made some solid acquisitions this offseason. Also, they got a little bit healthier but to me, I think it's a potential surprise team to come out of the AL Central is the Chicago White Sox. You know, I, I think Tony LaRusso was toxic for them. I think he was a cancer in that clubhouse, in that dugout. They get rid of him, and they brought in a new hitting coach in, in Jose Castro, who comes over from the Braves. Last year, the White Sox were just all about putting balls in play. Whatever they could do to put balls in play, get singles, this and that. This year, they have a different hitting philosophy, and it's to hit for power. And I think that really fits with the composition of that roster. If Lucas Giolito can bounce back, the bullpen can stay healthy. Hopefully Liam Hendricks comes back. I think the White Sox could be a surprise team to win that Central Division. You think we get two teams in the postseason from the Central? Ooh, um, maybe. I, I know it's kind of a, a cop-out answer, but, you know, I just I don't know. We saw the Angels give away another game today. I don't hmm. know if they're ever going to get over the hump. Maybe Texas takes a really big leap forward with a much better starting rotation. I I could see it, um, but the problem is I think the Central is kind of everybody beats everybody. So if you have a division champ with 86 or 87 wins, whoever finishes in second or third probably won't have enough to, to get one of those wild card spots. Yeah, interesting there. Uh, Cleveland obviously successful a year ago. Be curious to see. White Sox always seem 
like a team, Adam, that people are high on. I don't know if it's the uniform, the hat, or what, but people are high on the White Sox every year, and they disappoint in recent years. Yeah, they have. Again, I mean, I, you know, some of it has been health. Uh, guys like, you know, Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, they've been hurt. They've right. dealt with injuries for a while. Uh, you know, last year they were without Lance Lynn for the first couple of months of the season, and, and he was great in the second half. But this is a team that I think they just kind of need everybody on the same page. And I don't think that that happened when they had Tony La Russa. I mean, their pitching coach, Ethan Katz, is very much involved in the analytics and the sabermetric side of the game. I don't know if that necessarily meshed with La Russa and what, he, what his message was. Certainly worked sabermetric savvy on the hitting side with Frank Menachino as their hitting coach. I think that this is a team that just has a ton of potential with a lot of guys that were highly touted prospects that you know, we'll see if they're able to live up to it. All right, Adam. We're talking with Adam Burke, who is MLB's analyst for VSIN. You mentioned the Angels. They lose again. Surprise. What do we like here in the West? This could be a very interesting division here. I know people get caught up in the Angels, Trout, and Otani. I, I understand that they're just not a very good team. You got the Strohs. You got the Mariners, who people are, are very high on. Texas, as you mentioned, could be a sleeper. Give me your thoughts on the AL West overall. Yeah, I mean, you know, for Texas, I, I don't really know exactly what the quantifiable impact is of a manager, but Bruce Bochy's a hell of an upgrade over what they've had over the last few years. A proven winner, you know, three-time World Series winner, a guy that just gets the job and obviously wanted to come back and manage after being away from it for a little while. But they're starting rotation. I mean, Jacob DeGrom didn't pitch well today, but as long as he's healthy, he'll wind up being a really good starter. They got Nate Givaldi. They got Andrew Heaney. Martin Perez is coming off of a great year. Their pitching depth is much, much stronger. It's just a matter of if they'll hit or not. And they hit today, so we'll see if that's something they can continue going forward. But even if the Rangers are better, the Astros are the class of probably not only the division, but likely the American League, just if you look at them on paper. But I'm a huge Seattle Mariners backer. Bet over 87.5 on their season win total. I don't know if they can run down the Astros. I mean, they lost the division by 16 games last year. But I think they're very much going to be the best wild card team. And I think this is a team that can make a playoff run Hmm. with a lot of depth in the rotation, an elite bullpen, a superstar in Julio Rodriguez. I really love this Mariners team this season to win 90-plus games for sure. Wow. And maybe go on a run in the postseason. This could be the year for Seattle, huh? I mean, you think about it, you know, like I said, I mean, they finished 16 games behind Houston during the regular Mm -hmm. season, but they were a Robbie Ray mistake away from winning game one on the road against the Astros. Game three was 18 scoreless innings. They were right there in that series. And if a couple of things go their way, maybe they actually win that series and knock off the eventual World Series champs. So I think Seattle was built for the playoffs, built for a really good regular season. I'm very high on that team. And you think we're getting easy to two teams in the postseason from the West? Yeah, I think Houston and Seattle for sure. One of Texas or the Angels probably has a good chance at making it, especially if the Rays kind of underperform, as I think they will. What do you think the Angels do? Do they trade Otani midseason? Well, I mean, if if you're, you know, seven, eight games back or something like that, you really have to think about it. I mean, Artie Moreno – doesn't seem like he has interest in doing that, but at the same time, they're not going to give that guy a $500 million deal. They just can't with Trout and, and some of the other things they have on the books. So I think they should have traded him last year, to be honest with you. I don't know if they'll trade him this year, but 
you can't let a guy like that walk for nothing when you don't have a great farm system. I mean, it'd just be bad business. I get wanting to hold on to him, but if you know that you're not going to be able to keep him, what are you doing? You got to trade Joey Otani, and I'd be curious to see what the package would be for a two-month rental, but of a player of Otani's caliber. So we'll see if that is the case with the Angels. We are talking to VEASAN's MLB analyst, Adam Burke. Let's go to the National League, Adam. A division that I am all too familiar with. The NL East is uh, not over yet, but uh, the Mets, Braves, Phillies, obviously the top three teams. What are your thoughts on, you know, we saw last year the Mets and Braves tie. Of course, Atlanta won it on a tiebreaker, uh, won the division on a tiebreaker. What are your thoughts on the National League East? Well, you know, not a not a great day for the Mets. I mean, they pick up the win, but of course they lose Justin Verlander for a little while. And, you know, it's just, it's always something with this team. You certainly feel bad for them and, and for their fan base because of that. Look, still a great lineup, still a really deep starting rotation. I don't think people realize how good David Peterson is. Carlos Carrasco is a super reliable guy. I know he kind of drew the ire of Mets fans a couple of years ago, but he was quite good last year, especially at his advanced age. Still a good team. I mean, I think they still need some bullpen help. But with that being said, to me, I still think Atlanta is a team to beat in this division. Although we'll see how long Max Freed is out with the hamstring that he aggravated here on opening day going to cover first base. That's the one area for the Braves where they're kind of lacking a little bit is the starting rotation. And if Freed is out for any period of time, that could be a little bit of a detriment for them. So I still think they have the best offense and probably the best bullpen in this division. But the starting staff, I give the nod to the Mets. So I think those two teams are back and forth all season long. But I still think the Braves, if if I had to make a call at this time of the year, I still think the Braves win the division. But the Mets are very clearly going to be one of the wild cards, if that's the case. How about the disrespect for Philly? I mean, Philadelphia did go to the World Series a year ago. You just don't believe in this Phillies team being on that level with the Mets and Braves? No, I don't think so. And, and look, I mean, I don't want to read too much into it just because it's one start, but Aaron Nola wasn't great today the second time through the order. He wasn't great in his last spring training start. Maybe there's something kind of going on there. And, of course, you know the Philly is not meeting his contract extension demands going into the season. So he's a guy that if the Phillies aren't you know at the forefront of the playoff race, Aaron Nola is probably the best starting pitcher on the trade market. So that's something that would concern me long term. The Reese Hoskins injury hurts. He's a 30-homer type guy on top of Bryce Harper being out until around the All-Star break. Look, the Phillies are better defensively. Their bullpen is better. But last year, they were a pretty middle-of-the-road team for a while and just got really hot in the playoffs. They struggled against good teams last year until the postseason. I don't think they're going to meet their expectations. I know their season win total was up around 88-and-a-half. I don't see it. I I think they're probably an 84-85 win team, and and they'll be hoping to to kind of sneak into the playoffs that way. Interesting. I mean, I'd sign for it right now. That and, of course, Atlanta falling apart. Uh, But anyway, it should be just a three-team race there in the NL East. All right, you mentioned the NL Central as being the worst division in baseball. I'm actually intrigued by a couple of things here, though, Adam. Number one, I would always look at the Cardinals and say, well, the Cardinals are always going to be in the postseason. Are the Cubs good enough to, to threaten St. Louis in the NL Central this year? I don't know about threaten, but I do think that the Cubs will be pretty good. I mean, I took over 77 and a half with their season win total. So happy with today's result and, you know, kind of getting one in the win column there. The rotation is significantly better for the Cubs. They signed a bunch of free agent guys that have track records that are kind of on prove it deals. You know, Cody Bellinger, 
he went from MVP candidate to kind of falling off the face of the earth. Trey Mancini has only been about 4 or 5% above league average the last two years. Eric Hosmer is being paid by other teams to play for the Cubs. Hmm. So the Cubs have a lot of guys that are supremely motivated in that lineup. The rotation has gotten much, much better. And I think the bullpen could get better, too, because with some of the rotation additions they've made, they've pushed some fringy starters out to the bullpen where maybe their stuff will play up a little bit. I wouldn't be shocked if the Cubs finish ahead of the Brewers. I still think that the Cardinals are very clearly the best team in this division. But I could see the Cubs finishing second, maybe in that 83 to 85 win range and and kind of pushing for one of those wild card spots. Cincinnati and Pittsburgh are worth talking about, right? So there are some smart people that like Pittsburgh. Hmm. I'm not a huge fan of the Pirates, and especially with JT Brubaker going down. He's one of their better starting pitchers. I actually prefer the Reds over the Pirates, despite today's result. Uh, The Reds, I mean, they're top three in the rotation with Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, and Graham Ashcraft. A lot of raw talent there. This lineup should be better. They were really banged up last year. Uh, They got Will Myers, who's going to play really well in that ballpark in Cincinnati once the summer rolls around. I think the Reds can avoid 100 losses at a minimum, and I think they'll be a little bit better than people expect, possibly winning you know, maybe 70 or so games. Interesting. Okay, I like to see that. I love old-school baseball teams, great baseball town, you know, thriving, so it would be nice to see Cincinnati be uh, decent. The other one from the NL Central, Adam, is Milwaukee. So I look at Milwaukee as a team that could potentially be impactful as far as the pieces that they trade come the trade deadline. You think there's a chance that Milwaukee can – you know, if they're falling out of it a little bit, start to trade off some guys that become sellers at the trade deadline? Yeah, I think Milwaukee's in a really interesting spot. I mean, first of all... Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, you know, a lot of people kind of expected their president, David Stearns, to wind up being with the New York Mets when he resigned from his post with the Brewers. His contract runs through the end of this year, and he's basically just being used in an advisor role. But this is a Brewers team that recently they've kind of expanded the payroll to its outer reaches. It's one of the smallest markets in Major League Baseball. You know, they're stuck being in close proximity to Chicago and Minneapolis and all that kind of thing. I don't know that they can keep sustaining this level of payroll commitment, which will mean trading some guys, which will mean possibly trading a Corbin Burns, who – they took him to arbitration over $749,000 this offseason, completely ruined any chance of signing him to a long-term extension, I think. He'll be a very sought-after trade piece at the trade deadline if they decide to move him. We know they moved Josh Hader last year. I think this is a team that's kind of in a state of flux, I guess I would say, to where 
maybe they're hanging on for one more crack at it, but I think this team will have to make some difficult decisions this offseason and maybe that leaks over into the season as well if the results aren't there. Right, that's exactly the point. If they struggle or kind of middling and then the, those tough decisions get made sooner than later, the Brewers could be impactful because they have some players that other teams, no doubt of the deadline, would want to go out there and get. So maybe that is something of intrigue for everybody to check out in the NL Central. All right, Adam, let's finish up here with the NL West. I want to ask you about the Dodgers because the feel is, I don't know if, uh, enough about it, which I want to have you on here. You're the expert around Major League Baseball. With the Dodgers, there's this feel like, oh, they didn't make any moves. The guys are getting hurt. They're going to regress. Do you feel that with the Dodgers? I I think so. I mean, you know, this is a team where you kind of went into every season with them and you'd say, well, they're going to win 100 games. Like, they're going to win the West. What do they do in the playoffs? That's kind of how you define their season. They'll still be a playoff team. There's really no question about that. Their top-tier talent is good enough to kind of make up for some of the other deficiencies on this roster. But you look at them, and they're not quite as deep as they have been. You know, they, they lose a guy like Trey Turner. That doesn't really help. They lose a guy like Max Scherzer a couple years ago. That at some point kind of starts taking a toll. But really the Gavin Lux injury is a big deal for them because their lineup ran about six or seven deep with him. I think their lineup only runs about five deep without him. So they're really top-heavy in terms of their lineup, where you've got Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, who will be great. Outside of that, a lot of question marks. you got a couple of guys over 35 in J.D. Martinez and David Peralta. Maybe the kids, James Altman, Michael Bush, you know those types of guys, maybe they kind of figure it out. But the rotation, you know, I kind of worry about the depth of that. I worry about Kershaw staying healthy. I don't think Noah Syndergaard is that great. The bullpen is strong, but... I don't know if they'll have as many leads to protect this year. I think the Dodgers are the most vulnerable they've been in a while. And for them, that probably means winning 95 or so games. But they're not the juggernaut that we've seen them be. Yeah, 95? I mean, a bad year, they're going to win 95 games? Sign me up for that, please. I know what you mean, though. What they win last year, 113 or something ridiculous, like over 100, well over 100 wins. Yeah, 111. I mean, their yeah. last... Four, or their last three full seasons, they've won 106 or more games. 2017, they won 104. So for the last five non-COVID years, they've won at least 104 games. So like they're not going to bottom out, but they're not going to be like this dominant plus 300 in run differential kind of team, I don't think. What about the Padres then? Is this the Padres division? I think it's it's got a good chance to be that. I mean, they need to get healthy too. You know, Blake Snell was not super great today. Joe Musgrove is still out and they've had some guys. They've kind of tried to baby through some injuries, stuff like that. But this lineup, I mean, top to bottom, when you look at it and then when they had Fernando Tatis Jr. here in about uh, three or four weeks or so, like this lineup is phenomenal. The bullpen is maybe the best in baseball. It's definitely up there as one of the better ones. I could definitely see the Padres catching the Dodgers here for this year. I think that they're kind of built for that. They're built with a deeper roster than they've had here in recent seasons. They don't have a ton of help from below because they've traded a lot of it away to get better. But I think this team is just really, really solid. One through nine, they're good defensively. There's no weakness on this team as long as they stay healthy. Any of the other three in that division, Adam, Rockies, Diamondbacks, Giants, any of those three potential playoff teams? 
I don't think potential playoff teams, but I will say a lot of people really like the Diamondbacks for this year because they kind of fit the new rules. They put a lot of balls in play. They steal a lot of bases. They're a young, up-and-coming team. They've got some good young starting pitching coming up through the ranks as well to pair with Merrill Kelly and Zach Gallen. This is a team a lot of people were high on from a season win total standpoint in the mid-70s, 75-and-a-half in that range. I definitely like them in terms of being around a 500 or better team. And that will probably come at the expense of the Giants, who, when you look at them, I mean, last year they led the league in ground ball percentage as a pitching staff, which is great until you ban the shift, and then it's not so great, especially when you're a pretty poor defensive team. So I think the Giants and Diamondbacks kind of flip spots here with Arizona being third in that division and the Giants being fourth, and, and I did like their under 81.5 season win total. Interesting. All right, before we let you go, Adam, and we appreciate your time. You've done a great job educating us around Major League Baseball here. And, and I hate doing this this early, but, I mean, you are an MLB analyst for VEASAN, and people do like making, making future wagers. World Series teams and prediction? Well, let me make some enemies here, since I'm on a, a New York show. Mm. Uh, Houston and Atlanta. Oh, no, get the hell out of here. You were doing a great job, Adam, until that point. Houston and Atlanta, no way. I can't take that. I'm sorry. I apologize. Like I said, I just think Houston is the class of the American League, and I do think that the National League is a crapshoot when we get to the playoffs. But when you get to the playoffs and power becomes so important, you know, like we saw with the Yankees, like we've seen with the Astros, teams like that, power just becomes so important, and the Astros are probably the – or the Braves, excuse me – are the team with the most consistent power of any team in the National League. So I have to give them the nod. But, again, I mean, a lot of this is just going to come down to health. He is Adam Burke, MLB analyst for VEASAN. Dude, what's with the Twitter handle? At Skating Tripods? So that was the name of the beer league hockey team I played on back when I was living in Cleveland. Okay, well, now it makes sense. Because I'm like, is this? did Sammy get this right? <laughs> Sammy Stylin, of course, who set everything up. Adam, excellent job going around baseball. I'd love to have you on again at some point, maybe midway through the year. We'll discuss it or before the playoffs. Thank you so much for your time, dude. Enjoy the MLB season. Thanks, man. Have a good night. You too. Adam Burke, MLB analyst for VEASAN. There you go. I love those spots because it educates me, so I'm assuming it's going to educate you as well on what's going on around the league. Me personally, I mean, I just told you my schedule before. I don't have the time to go around it um, with teams outside of New York unless when they're playing the Mets and Yankees, and obviously the season just getting underway, so we've seen one game exactly, including four, you know, with four teams. So it's nice to get some insight to look around at Major League Baseball right there and see how things are going to play out. Now, these predictions, who knows? But uh, I do like some of the stuff that I heard right there from Adam. And Dodgers may not be as good. That seems to be a popular opinion. Padres, Braves, Phillies could be the biggest threats to the Mets in the NL. And in the AL, Yankees, Blue Jays, two-team race, uh, in the AL East, Central, I mean, I wouldn't worry about anybody. Uh, White Sox there was a team Adam gave you, the Guardians, whatever. And maybe the West. I mean, the Yankees are looking at Astros again, Mariners, Blue Jays. Those three teams could be the teams that get in the way of the Yankees and getting back to their first World Series since 2009. We'll get back to your calls on the other side. 877-337-6666. Going on 5 a.m. Sal Akata on the fan. We started the show talking about the Mets and Yankees, of course, coming off their opening day wins. Still some concerns, but overall, a great day for both the Mets and Yanks. And, you know, Justin Verlander would be the biggest concern right now for the Mets. With the Yankees, their concern would be the strikeouts. It's, it's basically the same thing, right? In the regular season, we're worried about, you know, what what is going to happen 
come playoff time, you want to build a team that can win in the playoffs. So, yeah, it's great to be able to mash homers and win regular season games. But if there are signs there that make you think, "Eh, I don't know if this team could do it in the postseason, that could be worrisome. And I think that's the case again with the Yankees, although there's obviously such a long way to go. It's just one game. The strikeouts, though, are part of the problem, although – you just heard Adam Burke on from VEASAN talking about how in the postseason the power is what gets it done. And I think he's right where usually you would think a team like the Mets lineup could get the job done in the postseason. You know, a team that puts the bat on the ball, doesn't strike out a ton, but doesn't have a lot of power. And instead, it's gone the way of the power. 14 timer violations, eight by pitchers on opening day. I just saw that on ESPN. And Marcus Stroman. Our old pal, Marcus Stroman, had the first one. 877-337-6666. Charlie is calling from Beth Page. What's up, Charlie? Charlie, Start there. off. Let's get, get the crystals. Let's break it open. Well, I missed that. Can you repeat that? Yeah, let's open up the bottle of crystal and sh- celebrate with a champagne, you know? Well, what do what you want to say for the Mets? Well, I wasn't. I don't know if I popped the crystal. Well, you know what? It was a great win today. Verlander kind of took a little walk, but mm. I think our pitcher staff is deep enough that we can get through uh, the early months of uh, spring. So uh, oh, we're going to find. Good. We're going to find out. Yeah, without a doubt, um, it did upset me. They blow that lead, uh, tie it up, but then they come back and get the two runs, and. He gets the win. Scherzer looked good. He had his stuff yeah, there. But. Scherzer's got to be better. The thing that bothered me, and I think Scherzer himself even said it after the game, he's got to be better. The thing that bothered me, though, is that he gave up a game-tying two-run homer to a guy, the only guy in the Marlins lineup in, in Gary Cooper, that you can't let beat you. Everybody else stinks. How can you let this guy beat you? Without a doubt. And he does give up that long ball. He gives up a lot of long balls, like last year. He gives up too many home runs, and it's a killer. But the the bullpen came out. Uh, you know, we were worried about that with the Diaz thing, and the bullpen looked very good. So things look good. It's all, hey, day one, uh, but I'll take it. A win is a win. Would have liked to get the cherry on top of my Sunday with the Rangers, but yeah, you know, I wanted to, know. Yeah, it would have been a great day if they pulled that out over there, but it was good. And by the way, tell the guy from my, the Miami guy, and his Yankees. When was the last time the Yankees were in the World Series? Oh, he knows. Yeah, he knows. No, I know. He knows. I don't want to do the back and forth of the Yankee thing. I mean, Jimmy's notorious for starting that, and I'm not doing it. So let's not get into that. But the biggest part for me from – or the biggest takeaway from this Mets game for me was the bullpen. The fact that Drew Smith looked pretty good. The fact that Brooks Raley looked terrific. Robertson, same thing. I mean, you look at what the bullpen did. Lights out after Max Scherzer left that game, and they're able to get the victory as the Mets, you know, uh, get the win 5-3, putting up a two-spot right after Miami came back and tied the game on Scherzer in that sixth. Bullpen does its job, and away they go. It was a nice, clean game. Scherzer, you know, maybe one batter, would have made that start a de- from a decent one to a really good one if you go six innings and allow just one run. But to give up the lead and you know leave the game with that tie game after the two-run homer, 
by Cooper. That, to me, makes it for Scherzer not an acceptable start. For everybody else in Major League Baseball, pretty much everybody else, you'd sign for that. But for Scherzer, he should be better. Stretch is calling from the Bronx. What's up, Stretch? Hey, Stretch, you there? Well, I guess not. I'm not sure what happened with him. 877-337-6666. We'll continue with your calls on the other side. It's Sal Licata on the fan. We didn't even get into the Knicks stuff. Maybe we could do that in a little bit with Julius Randle being out the rest of the regular season, which is not a huge deal for the Knicks, but they better make sure he's healthy and ready to go in the postseason. Because without him, I mean, even with him, the Knicks are going to struggle, you would think, to beat the Cavs in that first round. I mean, there's just a team that hasn't won a first-round series in quite some time and only won in, you know, what, however many years it's been now. So... Uh, not not the ideal situation for the Knicks, potentially losing Randall here at the worst possible time. Um, Rangers lost to the Devils, and that would basically clinch the fact that the Rangers are going to be the third seed in the Metro Division. Who they'll be playing in the postseason in that two spot, yet to be determined. Could be the Canes, could be the Devils, so stay tuned for that, but of course, the main topics tonight have been the Mets and the Yankees, both teams getting wins on opening day. And Stewart is calling from Brooklyn to talk about it. What's up, Stewart? I have to take everything back about number 45. Oh, Cole was dominant, Stewart. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's what you like. That's what. That's right. That's what I like. You're like you just said before, the strikeouts are a problem. I mean, they had 15 strikeouts, and the other team had 16. Right. And it doesn't make, you know, it's how everybody used to scream at number seven for striking out 125 times in a season. They they screamed at uh, at Dave Kingman. It's just, yeah, it's just a different, it's just a different game. But I know, but you know what? When you make contact, things happen. Things happen, not just thin air. I mean, for the fact that DJ LeMahieu struck out three times yesterday, that was ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, well, he's not, he's not a guy who's supposed to do that. I mean, yeah, LeMahieu was a big culprit. Uh, Cabrera, obviously, the biggest culprit, going all for four with the four strikeouts. So. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, it happened. Uh, he was well, excited Volpe, to be in there for opening day, but... Uh, Volpe looked pretty good in the field. I mean, he didn't get a big hit, but he looked pretty He looked pretty comfortable out there. Yeah, and, uh, Volpe's a ball player, Stuart. Oh, I know he's a ball player. They've been saying that for, for two years now, he's a ball player. Hey, before, but, we, before we start talking about your favorite team, the other team in town, do you know that uh, this weekend's WrestleMania? I have, I have not followed that in ages. Oh, no, I thought for sure you'd be watching WrestleMania this weekend. My favorite WrestleMania? WrestleMania? Oh, well, wouldn't you be watching it this weekend? No? No, no. Oh, okay, so you're not watching. I have dropped off wrestling in 2004. Okay, so what is your favorite WrestleMania of all time? Oh, uh, there's a tie, three and six. Yeah, I think I'm with you. Not six, although I did like it. Uh, I, I, would, I like the main event. I'd pro- uh, Why? Because Hogan lost? I was a Hogan fan at the beginning, mm-hmm. right, when he first came in. 
But then I turned into a Warrior fan. Oh, of course you did. You you treat wrestling wrestling like you do baseball. You flip-flop and switch sides. First you're a Yankee fan, then you're a Met fan, now you're a Yankee fan again. How can you flip-flop Hogan and Warrior? Come on, Stuart. You're excited that Hulkamania ran wild in the Pontiac Silverdome as Hogan slammed Andre in WrestleMania three, and then three short years later, you're rooting for the Warrior? Uh, Well, 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 let me say something to you. All those years of watching wrestling, Mm -hmm. my favorite wrestler of all time... Bruno San Martino. That's right. Yeah. He was my favorite wrestler of all time. And that that will never change. I think his son wrestled in WrestleMania one. Yeah, he did. David. David did. Yeah. Yes. And he was terrible. Oh, he wasn't Bruno. No, he was terrible. There was, no, there was nobody like Bruno. I mean, you know, he picked up, he sat Saloon, picked him up over his head. He Bru- got him up over Bruno, his head. so Bruno never wrestled in a WrestleMania, right? Mm, I think he. I don't I'm think he sure. did. If he wasn't no, in WrestleMania 1, when would he wrestle? No, he didn't wrestle in any WrestleMania. He might have been there, yeah, but wrestling, no. I don't believe. Anyway, so you're not watching it? No. Yeah. No, it's all fake. Well. Oh. It's all fake over the years. The, when it was real, you know when it was real? When? When the, when the father had it. I don't think it was ever real, real Stuart, as a matter of fact. What? I don't, I don't believe it was ever real. Uh, it was more real. I hate real, to break the news to you. It was being real when Senior had it, not Junior. And we shouldn't. Oh, by the way, there's a new book that came out that somehow I saw an ad it might have actually been from the New York Post on Twitter that, uh, what the hell is it called? It's about Vince McMahon, and I ordered it right away. I cannot wait to read it. Um, Vince McMahon book, let me just see. Would you be interested in something like that? No. Why? McMahon is, uh, uh, I can't say the words about him on the radio. Yes, please keep it clean. Ringmaster is the name of the book. Can I tell you something? He's a fraud. Vince McMahon? He seems like a difficult a guy. Let's just put it that major, way. What? The t- difficult guy. The title of the book it's is called guy. Ringmaster. It's Hold on. Ringmaster Vince McMahon and the Unmaking of America by Abraham Reisman. I ordered it in Amazon. It came. I can't wait to read it. Now, I don't know when the hell I'm going to find time to do so. When are you going to find time to Oh, I know. When you go to Mecca. Yeah. Oh, no. Come on. That's not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. No. Uh, That's not very funny, Stuart. August 7th sounds just about right. We should get together. No, I don't know if this is going to happen. I hate to disappoint you. Come on, Sal. you got to make it happen. I can't. I don't have any time. I don't even know what my schedule's going to be. I have a tag team partner in this one. You know who my tag team partner is? Who's that? You're uh, the person on the other side of the glass. Zoo? No, he wants to go. Maybe Zoo could set this whole thing up. No, Zoo said that we're going to get on it. I'm trying. Maybe this oh, weekend. Stop, stop. Yeah, well, stop, uh, how about stop. this? Why don't you come babysit for a weekend, and then maybe I'll have some time to figure out if I'm going to be able to go to this game or not. <laughs> I've got no time. You did the math, and thank you for the call, Stuart. You did the math. Can you imagine Stuart in Brooklyn babysitting? I mean, listen, that would be an interesting. Uh, you put a little ring camera on that, you could sell that video. No chance. I just went over, went over the hours before. I am home 10 hours for the five-day work week, I'm home for 10 of those hours, that, and, and I'm not sleeping. Maybe less at times. Sometimes I sleep in a little bit more. Like, what do you think this is? And you want me to pick a day? I got Mitchell and Fort Lee saying, when are you coming to the Yankee game? 
Dog of Long Island saying, when are we watching a Ranger playoff game? And now you saying, we got to get to that Met game. I know. It's on the to-do list. I just don't know if we're going to be able to get around to it. I don't want to make empty promises. Last year we did it, and it was great. It started, dude, that first outing with the Ranger playoff game, game six, round one. Oh, Wasn't that great? Oh, that was a beautiful night over at Stout. Yeah, we went to Stout, had the back. Place was insane. It was jammed out. I mean, there were people. uh, We were in the back room, and the back room was packed. That was a very fun night. What was that? It must have been a Friday night. It was a Friday night because I had had to be in the next morning. Yeah, and I remember because it worked. It fit my schedule. That was fun. We'll try to do that again, but we got to wait to see what the playoff schedule is going to look like. As for the Met game, you know, there's a couple of things that are preventing me from being overly aggressive with it. Number one is the scheduling. And then number two, it's hard because there's not a definitive list of how many people we are going to get. So I don't know about the tickets and having to collect the money is a pain in the neck. But really, it's just about the scheduling and the potential commitment to it. That's the holdup right now. But I'm sure at some point we'll be able to go to a game and figure it out. 877, hopefully. 877, because it was a blast last year. Although, such a blast that by the time I got home, I was so tired, I passed out and didn't wake up until 3 a.m. And you say, well, why is that a big deal, Sal? Because I was supposed to be on the air at 2. I slept through the first hour. You believe that, Dexter? I do. I, well, as we welcome in Dexter ha- Henry, yeah. I believe it happened. I'm just, I'm and like, damn, that had to be really a crazy I was, night. Usually I work from home Sunday night into Monday morning. Gotcha. So I was working from home, went to the game, long day, whatever, went to normal sleep. I don't know what happened. I must have either woken up before the alarm went off and shut the alarm off uh. because I would never not hear it. And then next thing you know, I woke up and I look at the clock and it's 3 o'clock and it was one of those, oh my God, you know, like home alone. We slept in. <laughs> I wake up. It was sheer panic. Missed a complete hour of the show. And then I see like 18 calls or missed, uh, you know, texts, whatever, from producer Fleegs. Oh, God. But, uh, you, it would, I mean, it worked out. Somebody held it down for you, right? Yeah, for an hour. Yeah, but yeah. they're probably cursing me the whole way. I think it was Lori Rubinson. Where the hell is he? Wake him up. I can't go till 5 o'clock. The worst part, though, was yeah. that it was after the Mets had just taken four of five from the, from Braves. the Braves. I remember that. Yeah. So I came on, or I had the plan to come on and start singing the NLE. You had the whole production piece done. Over. Yeah, we had the whole thing done. Had the piece done and everything. We go, over. It was like my dream scenario. I was calling the NL East over. The Mets had just taken four out of five. I was on hand to see it. And the freaking alarm didn't go off. Sal, I have to ask you this. Yeah. This season, mm-hmm. if the Mets get out to a big lead, yes. Okay. Are you going to bring the same energy if there's a point where you think it's over? Because I know you had a lot of crow to eat last year after that. And I, I get that. And listen, I'm a, I'm a Mets fan. And I had some Braves fans coming at me. And I told you this. Well, I told yeah. you, I saw you that's the yeah. one. Sending me the clip. Like, your, your guy Sal said this. And I'm like, the key there, Dexter, and you just touched on it, the key is if I believe yeah. that it's over. Because yeah. that was not made up. I believed that the division was over at that point. Atlanta looked dead. The Mets, I, I thought the Mets were going to win the division going into the year anyway. 
So that's where it came from. That's where it started from. I picked the Mets to win the division anyway. Then they had a 10-game lead. So not only did I pick the Mets before the year, then I watched them play for two months. They built up, or was it three months? April? No, yeah, April and May. I watched them play for two months. They built up a 10-game lead. I'm thinking the division's over. That's where it came from. So to answer your question, yes, if they get out to a big lead, and I believe that they're going to win the division. You're going to keep that energy again. I will come on again and give you the, and you know we got to do it right this time. (laughs) <laughs> Meaning they got to finish it. The NL East is over, over. Man, oh. it's so much fun. We need that. We need that. You know, I came up that. with that that weekend. I was driving down to Jer- uh, to Philadelphia. My wife's best friend's daughter, Sweet 16. My wife's in the car. She's passed out with the baby, whatever. They, I don't even remember the exact situation. But I just remember listening to the Mets Braves doubleheader. And the Mets were winning and having success. And I, it hit me, that song. I was like, I got to do this. If they win four or five or whatever, I'm going to do this. And then they did. And then I did. And then, of course, in the end, it didn't, it didn't work out. I'm hoping this year you're able to break that out. Thank and, you. And I feel like it's going to bring you so much joy, especially coming after last year. Right. See, it'll be even sweeter yes. when the Mets do beat the Braves of the division. And I got news for those people in Atlanta. They think they won. They may have won the battle last year. They did not win the war. And now with opening day underway, it's on again. The NL East is back up for grabs. And all the Mets have to do is win it. It's that simple. Doesn't need it. Don't need any bold predictions. All they have to do is win it this time. And everything that I said last year will still hold true this year. I know it's a new year, but that song, the NL East being over, The Mets sending the Braves home unhappy. That is still out in front of us. New year, hopefully a new result. 877-337-6666. We'll continue with your calls on the other side. I do love singing that song, song, I got to admit. Right now, let's get you updated. Here's Dexter Henry. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law